Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The pre-med year, session number 314. Hello and welcome to the three-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. As I mentioned earlier, my name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I am your host here every week where I bring you interesting stories of students, of med students, of interesting physicians out there. I have discussions with admissions committee members, MCAT test prep companies, and so much more. So if this is your first time here, thank you for joining me. Go back and start at episode one and listen all the way through because every episode should have some information for you to help you on your journey to medical school. This podcast episode may sound a little bit different, may be a little bit different. That's because it was a very different interview than what I typically do. I had a great discussion with Instagram med student Jackie Plans. I guess med student first, Instagrammer second, uh, at Jackie Plans is her Instagram account. She is a second year medical student at UCSD. And we did an Instagram live. And the way that I set it up, I set it up so it recorded. And afterwards, I'm like, why? I'm just going to put this out as a podcast. So we had 30, 40 people at a time uh, watching with us live. And then I said, we're going to put this out live. So or out on the podcast. So here is the podcast. We talk about everything from her journey to a pre-med, what she struggled with, uh, financial discussions, including doing the FAP and and getting the FAP when she doesn't have a relationship with her parents, even though they require, for some stupid reason, uh, they require, even if you're like 40 years old and married and have kids, they still require your parents' financial statements. And so uh, she talks about the process to go through to, to not have to do that and so much more. So let's go ahead and say hi to Jackie and we'll jump right into our conversation. We have Jackie. I'm here. What's up? Not much. If First, you hear a dog whining, she's not dying. She's just dramatic. Oh, okay. That's good. That's good. Because cause you're only a second-year med student. You don't know how to save dogs yet. You learn how to save dogs third year of med school. <laughs> What's going on, Jackie? How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. First uh, time doing a split Instagram Live. Yeah. I'm telling your secrets. Ever. First time. Well, welcome. Welcome. So we're going to do some Q&A. We, we were chatting, and uh, I'm sure you, as a second-year med student with a popular Instagram 
accounts get a ton of questions about being pre-med, how you got to med school, what your stats were, all those secret questions, how you prepared for the MCATs and blah, 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 blah. And so I was like, hey, let's do an Instagram Live and see if we can bang out a lot of these questions uh, so that people can get those questions answered. So let me... uh, I'm going to record my screen. Last time I tried to do this, it didn't record the sound, but I'm recording the sound separately this time. So we'll see. Uh, See if it works today. So, Jackie, why don't you uh, give us a a brief little rundown of who you are in the world? Okay. Um, So I'm a second year at UCSD in San Diego. Um, I started out at community college in, you got into med school after community college? I know, right? That's they, impossible. They, they must not have read that in my <laughs> application. Yes, I uh, started at community college and then did two years at UC Irvine, took a gap year and worked a bunch of different jobs during that year. And now I'm here. Yeah. And how's med school? Is it fun? It is. Yeah. I, it's overwhelming. I'm tired all the time. <laughs> But it's fun. Yeah. A little, little bit different than community college? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Guess what? It's a little bit different than regular college, too. <laughs> regular four-year university, too. Right? Yeah. I, I can't stand the advisors that, that are still out there spouting off, don't go to community college. You won't get into med school. It's just a yeah. bunch of baloney. So, I heard that a few times. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. These people who are supposed to be guiding you, mentoring you, are, are out there discouraging and and spouting off spouting off the wrong information so why do you have jackie plans instagram account what are you doing on there procrastinating (laughs) Um, no i i started it actually a few years ago because i got into i've always had a planner and i need to see my life on paper to get anything done um and i got into this little creative planning a bullet journaler? Area. I am a bullet journaler now. Yeah, okay. Um, and so it just sort of kind of started as a way to share my artsy stuff mm-hmm. and then grew from there. And then I started making my notes the way that I like to make them. And so I started sharing those and it's grown from there. Yeah. And you actually sell those, right? I do. That's I do. Awesome. I started over the summer. Good. Good, good. People buying them? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. It's been going well. Good. I'm glad. So uh, if you are watching and you have questions for Jackie or for myself, I'll I'll do a quick intro in case there are people from your audience, Jackie, that are joining us. Uh, My name is Ryan Gray. I'm a physician by training, uh, but I no longer practice medicine. Actually, now I uh, do Instagram lives all day long and I podcast all day long and I, uh, I teach at the University of Colorado School of Medicine, um, teach communication with first and second year students. Uh, I do a lot of different things. I write books, uh, including a book about personal statement and interviews and the MCAT and more more coming. So that's what I do. Um, I, I kind of had a, a mid-career crisis, even though I was only five years into my physician career. I had some health issues in the military. I was an Air Force flight surgeon and uh, decided to um, change jobs and uh, pivot. And here I am. Uh, having a blast helping students get into and through medical school now with, uh, I think, seven podcasts that I do and then some other ones that are out there as well. So 
Um, let's get to some questions. I don't know why it's making me look so ghostly, but <laughs> a little overexposed. Yeah. Oh, there we go. There okay. you go. Um, it's too sunny here. Guess what? Boulder, Colorado, sunnier than sunny San Diego. I don't. Well, maybe. No, Not it is. Today. It is. Is it sunny today? It's, it's very sunny. It's, it's always sunny here. It's always sunny here. Um, we have one from Jane1764. I didn't do well in my prereq courses because I wasn't studying and trying like I should have. Uh, it took Orgo four times. I didn't finish my prereqs and I'm about to graduate. Uh, I have evaluated what I did wrong and I still really want to become a doctor. Do you think I still have a chance? This is such a common, like, do I have a chance? I failed this. I did this wrong. Do I have a chance? What, what's your general answer to that question? Um, I got a C in physics. <gasps> no, community college and a C in physics. And you're, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to call the admissions department and see if it, you're in school by mistake. <laughs> I have actually had that nightmare where they <laughs> me in and they meant to accept someone else with my name. And yeah. Me out. Yeah. No, I'm I, still here. I, uh, I know a student who actually got that email and they were <laughs> like, oops, uh, <laughs> that wasn't supposed to go to you. Um, oh. she, she was accepted about a month later and, uh, but yeah, that was a, a nightmarish, a real, a real nightmare for somebody. Um, I would die. Yeah. Um, but no, I, in physics in college, I got a C and then a B and then an A as the quarters went on. Okay. So I think I showed improvement. Okay. Um, I still managed to get in somewhere. You still got in. So let me tell you a story about Kane. I love telling Kane's story. Uh, Kane is a 43-year-old now, third-year student, uh, maybe 44. Uh, I may have those dates wrong, uh, ages wrong. Uh, Kane went to undergrad a long time ago, all right, 18 years old, 19 years old, and failed out, was academically dismissed. <laughs> They're like, you are not smart enough to, to finish school. I think he left with like a 1.1 or 1.2 GPA. And uh, said, okay, I guess school isn't for me. Went on his uh, life, went down his path, ended up having some life experiences that, that made him reevaluate what he wanted to do and decided that he wanted and needed to become a physician. And so he started exploring the idea. And of course, people are out there telling him, no, you're crazy, you're too old, you, you failed, you're not smart enough, whatever. And so he started back at community college the four-year university wouldn't take him straight away. Uh, so he started at community college taking classes with his son, uh, which was interesting, and worked his way up to uh, the four-year university and then worked his way into uh, medical school. He's at University of Central Florida as a third-year student now. Um, so the answer to every question, unless like you've committed murder, you have some sort of heinous uh, offense in your record that shows that you're just not a good human being? The answer is always, sure, there's a chance. It may be super hard. It may take you a long time. Uh, you may have to take a lot of classes. Um, you may have to go to the Caribbean. Right? Oh, the Caribbean. Um, <laughs> but there's always a chance uh, if you want it and you, you're going to work for it. So always, always, always stick to it if that's what you want. That's my advice. Let's see. What else we got here? 
didn't do well. Uh, nope, that was the same one. How was Jackie's medical school application process? What tips do you have for your application process? So first question, how many times did you apply? One. Oh, one and done. Lucky you. I applied one twice. One and done. Good, good. Um, uh, what What was that process like for you? And, and what tips would you have for somebody who's about to go through that process? So I decided the reason I only applied once, um, I decided to wait until I graduated to apply. Okay. And just know that I would take at least one gap year mm-hmm. because I wasn't ready before. Um, and I didn't choose ready. Ready in terms of what? Let me ask. Um, I hadn't. I, I hadn't taken the MCAT yet. Okay. And I had a paper I had worked on that was nearing public. Getting both of those things under control mm-hmm. before I applied would help me sort of decide where to apply. Okay. Um, and I didn't want to have to rush the MCAT and I didn't want to rush anything. Yep. Um, so I waited and then based on my MCAT score, I picked where to apply and I started working on it before the application cycle opened so that I could apply right when it opened, be one of those people. Yeah. No, Um, that's, you, you mean a smart person. Yes. (laughs) And it made me much less anxious going through the process, knowing I've done it as soon as I could. It's out of my hands. Uh, And then I started working on secondaries, like as soon as I had submitted. Um, Pre-write those secondaries? Yeah, some of the ones that were kind of generic that I knew, you know, would probably come up. Yep. uh, So that I could turn them around quickly and get them in. Um, Except UCSDs, which is an autobiography. <laughs> uh, and that's out there on the internet. I'm not, it's not yeah. a secret. But yeah, most of the I secondaries dreaded, are out there. So it's okay. Yeah. I dreaded that one. Yeah. And I did it the very last. Um, but I tried to like pick a handful of schools that were a bit of a reach and a handful that were a bit, I don't want to say safety because there's no such thing as safety. No right? such thing. Yeah. Uh, but I tried to pick schools from a broad range of places and not okay. get too set on one particular place okay. before I knew where I'd be going. Okay. How important was the location to you? Not very. Okay. Where are you from? Uh, I'm from Southern California and I'm still here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I was willing to go wherever. Yeah. <laughs> That's always the answer. Where do you want to go? Whoever accepts me. That's where I'll go. Yes. All right. Um, so you mentioned earlier picking, you, you got your MCAT score back and, and you use that to help you. It's actually something I discourage students from doing. It's obviously one of the more popular ways to pick schools mm-hmm. is to jump on the MSR and look at that median MCAT score and go, okay, I'm right there, right? I'm at or above it. But, uh, it's, it's discouraging for students who maybe five points below that median, 10 points below that median. I'm like, that median just tells you that half of the students are below that score. So why can't your 10 points below be part of that half that's below the score? So I highly, highly discourage people from doing it because they're, they may be leaving off schools that are looking for something specific that that one student has in their application. And that's the hard part of this application process is you have no idea what the admissions committee is looking for. They meet before the application cycle starts and they say, okay, Here's what we've been doing. Here are the classes that we have. This year, let's try to focus on XYZ, right? And maybe your ABC, and even with your good stats, they're going to pass on you. 
And that's the frustrating thing with the application cycle is like you jump on the student doctor network and these students are like, I have a 4.0 and a 5.18 and I didn't get any <laughs> interviews. Well, there's probably some reasons behind that, but but maybe there was just something in your application that the, the schools were looking for that, that you didn't have. And so applying broadly, it sounds like you did kind of all over the place uh, yeah. is, is a really good, smart thing to do. What was the hardest thing about the application process for you? Um, so I'm not good at being patient. Mm. That was hard. But <laughs> Super hard. Also, <laughs> yeah. Um, the fee assistance program. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I used that, okay. but I um, don't really have a relationship with my parents. Oh, that, and it's one of the things I hate the most about this program. So I had to have a doctor and a therapist and a third party who is in my life all write letters. Saying so that you're I emancipated, can... basically. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's Even though I'm married. Ridiculous. Yeah. And I we paid for school without their help. Yeah. So that to me was very frustrating. And then when I started med school, I was worried I would have to do it again. For FAFSA. I yeah. I talked to the financial aid office and they got the stuff from the AAMC and never have to look at fee assistance program stuff again. But yeah, yeah. that was the worst part of the yeah. application process. <clears throat> so I talked to a lot of non-traditional students and all the 40 year old students who are married, mm -hmm. have kids who are, are, separated from their parents have no no relationship with them and they're like what am i supposed to do i'm like you you figure out a way there there are processes in place to but it's it's so time consuming it's such a headache and then the fee assistance program is a limited uh uh dollar amount right they only have a limited yeah. number of funds amount of funds every year and if you're taking time to gather all this paperwork you may apply and they're like sorry we don't have any money left for you. Uh, yeah. yeah. Luckily, that didn't happen. Yeah. Once I got it all in, it was good. But That's good. Um, Suzanne, Smile and Pre-Med says, for LORs as a transfer from community college to university, should we have an LOR for both sides, or is it okay to have most of them from community college? What did you do? So I, I don't think – I had one from community college. Um because I tried to, I, I heard that you shouldn't have any or that they should, like, they should all be from the four year because that's the big important yeah. school. Yeah. Um, but there was one professor that I had for general and organic chem okay. at community college. So I, I had her for a year and a half of classes and we had a really good relationship and I felt like she knew me. Mm -hmm. So she wrote a letter and then the rest came from after I had transferred or from, um, I did a research thing with a different school. Okay. Had like a research fellowship and then a job that turned into a publication. So I got one from her as well. The letter that you got from community college, did mm -hmm. you request that letter later on and stay in contact with that professor? Did you get it before you left community college or as you were transferring? Both. Um, I had had her write me letters for scholarships and things in the okay. past when I was still at community college and mm -hmm. as I was transferring. And so at that time I had mentioned like in the future, could I come back and ask you for one when it's time for med school? And she said, yes. And then I reached back out and got it. Love it. Love it. Set that expectation. I tell students who are in classes, right? The beginning of your physics class or, or chemistry, biochemistry, whatever it is, 
instead of showing up to office hours as much as you can and then at the end of the year going, I'm pre-med, I need a letter, like set that expectation from the beginning to say, hey, Professor Smith, I'm a pre-med, I'm taking your class, uh, I'm going to hopefully ask for a letter of recommendation. At the end of the semester, is there anything that you uh, require, suggest, et cetera? And then you show up every day, you've, you've introduced yourself already, they know you, they, they're expecting you. Uh, to ask for a letter, and then it, it makes it much easier to at, at the end of the semester to say, okay, I got my A, I've been showing up, can I have my letter now? Yeah, it made it much more uh, painless. Yeah. Um, Air Hair 4, I appreciate you sharing your journey. My daughter and then is a ninth grader, is an as aspiring surgeon. Um, that's awesome. What, uh, what do you have planned for the future? Do you have any ideas of what you want to do yet? Trying really hard to keep an open mind. Yep. Um, but I like surgery. Uh, and I like peds. I worked during my gap year as a scribe um, in a pediatric ENT office. Okay. And I really, really liked it. But I know sometimes I feel like when you have a really good mentor, it yeah. can make you want to do that thing. Yeah. And it was, my boss was great. The whole office was great. I learned a ton. But that being said, I've been exploring since I've been down here, and it's still my favorite. Yeah. So trying to keep an open mind, but I think ENT might be cool. where I want to end up. Nice. I know a, an, a, a facial plastics ENT in the area, if you, you want somebody potentially to, to shadow to talk to. Uh, I will never say no to that. Um, I, I like what you said about having that mentor may make you want to do things. A lot of students will look at match lists for school and they'll go, Oh, this school matches high for pediatrics or ortho or whatever it is. And so they must do really well um, or, or push students towards that one thing. And my counter to that, cause I've experienced this going through medical school is like, well, what if there's just one badass attending that every student loves and they're like, I want to be like him or her. And, and it's drawing people towards that specialty because there's one awesome personality out there that, yeah. that everybody wants to emulate. And so I tell students, you can't look at the match list because you have no idea what variables are going into that match list. It, it, there's so many different things that are causing people to apply to those specialties. And, and just because the ortho matches high every year doesn't mean that the school is particular, particularly preparing students well to match in ortho there's just there's just some other stuff out there yeah. that, are, that are doing that so i like that comment there um all right sharita i see part of your question but not the whole question if you want to ask again uh what planner app do you use are you a pen and paper pen and paper um you're not you're not the ipad life no i iPad life is too expensive for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do use Google Keep, though. I like that one. What's that? It's through, like, you know how you have Google Cal, Google Docs, Google whatever? Yeah. Google Keep, you can put in little, like, pictures, and you can write notes and make to-do lists. Hmm. So I have that synced to my phone and my computer when I'm on the go. Okay. I can put in, like, notes to myself on my phone, and then they'll pop up on my computer. Cool. Okay. I uh, hear Sharita. Do you suggest reading the LOR that you receive before sending them into the WMC or TMDSAS? You're not. You're not allowed to. You're not supposed to. Yeah. Um. So no, I do not suggest that. 
Um, uh, what happens if you run out of money during the application process? This is a, a thing, right? So you applied FAP for, for students, the financial assistance yeah. program through the AAMC. Um, it gives you half price MCAT, right? Um, mm -hmm. Gives you some of the MCAT material for free. And then it's one fee. It's like the $170 or whatever it is for the application. And it gives you 15 schools that you can apply yeah. to versus the one uh, without the fee assistance program. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then um, most schools will waive your secondary. Yep. If you've gotten the FAP or yeah. one, I think, discounted it from 100 to 50. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, that's not an automatic process you have to go through and let them know. Yeah. And, yeah. But typically, it, it was pretty easy to like forward them the FAP email. Uh, when they asked for verification, I would just send them that email and then they would waive it. Nice. I, I would actually probably recommend it. And maybe you did this. Just forward them the, the email in your email to say, hey, I got fee assistance. Do you waive or discount the secondary? Instead of asking and saying, yes, we require proof. And then you have to respond back yeah. forwarding the email. Just forward the email in your initial uh, question. I think that would be just reduce the number of steps. I'm always trying to make things as easy as possible. I think towards the end, I may have done that. Because yeah. I was just... <laughs> Every school, it was the same thing. It was send us verification and you're good. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I actually just built a calendar. It's not fully flushed out. The the post, not a calendar, a calculator uh, okay. on my website uh, for the application, right? The application cost. And I can pull it up here as we're, as we're chatting. Um, Medical. So if I do medical school application calculator, um, and and use the sliders here. How many schools did you apply to? Twenty. So twenty schools, and I do have uh, a little checkbox to say, "Hey, I qualify for FAP." Did you do any DO, any uh, Texas schools? Nope, all MD. Okay. All right. So AMCAS. One hundred and fifty-six dollars. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's showing um, secondaries, right? Secondaries. I don't have discounted here, but twenty schools at seventy-five dollars per per secondary. It's fifteen hundred dollars. Assuming you're going to submit them all, and then traveling. How many interviews did you get? Two, and they were both in California. So. Only two interviews. Why? Okay, let's ask that question. Let's let's say divert here. Why do you think you only got two interviews? <sighs> Maybe because I went off of my MCAT score. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, did you I, have a strong MCAT score? Yeah. What did you have? Are, are, you want to share with the world? 516. Great oh, MCAT yeah. score. I'll share. Okay. Um, and my GPA was like, it because of the community college thing, I went from semesters to quarters. It was somewhere around like 385. Um, so... I don't know if I probably just picked schools that weren't the best fit for me. Okay. Um, so so great GPA, great MCAT score. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. So so potentially picking schools just based on stats alone and not looking yeah. maybe a little bit deeper. Um, potentially uh, a weaker personal statement, lacking yeah. extracurriculars, potentially what some schools yeah. may want to see. there, And that's the problem. There's so many variables, right? It's, you can't just go... 
oh, I had a, a 5.16 and, and a, a 3.85 and I only got two interviews. You need a, a 5.20 and a 3.9. <laughs> it's just yeah. impossible. Well, I uh, I had a ton of research and a ton of volunteering, but mm-hmm. my clinical, clinical. stuff yep. was lacking, Yep. Um, which is why I worked as a scribe during my gap year. Love it. Gave me something to talk about during those two interviews. Yeah, to say, uh, and, and it's almost one of those, like, hey, I, I know I'm lacking in clinical and I'm I'm doing it. I'm doing it, please. Yeah. It's so so important. Yeah. Do you, did you like being a scribe? I did. Yeah. I loved it. Uh I worked at the children's hospital in Orange County and then at Disneyland. A scribe at Disneyland? Yeah. How do they how have, does one get a scribe job at Disneyland? Knowing the right people. <laughs> All right. So they um they have a cast health department for mm-hmm. workers' comp type stuff. So I scribed for one of the doctors that worked there. Yeah, <laughs> you're typing a lot. Uh, patient acting as goofy uh, was jumped on by a 13 year old. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, so going back to the original question, like what happens when you run out of money? You, well, you should be planning, right? Which is why I made this calculator to show students really how expensive it is to apply to medical school, FAP or not, because FAP is not helping with travel. Right with yeah. hotels, with meals when you're traveling, with buying a suit if you need a suit, um, with uh, um, deposits if uh, you get into medical schools, especially for osteopathic schools, which are super expensive deposits, which is crazy. Um, so a lot of students play the the zero percent credit card game and uh, get a zero percent eighteen month uh, credit card and and kind of play that game. Uh, it's a dangerous game to play. But a lot of students need it just to to get through that process. Um, How do I plan for the finances of applying? So yeah, we just talked about that. Just um, use the calculator on my website and and just estimate and start saving. Right? If you need five thousand dollars and you have twenty months until you're ready to apply, five thousand divided by twenty and try to save that every month. Less lattes. Uh, what do you what do you think was your your most impactful extracurricular activity? Uh, so I spent four years working with a nonprofit up in Orange County that sets up surgeries and specialty procedures for people who are either uninsured or underinsured. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was probably my biggest extracurricular. It's where I spent the most time, and I think it's where I got the most benefit. Um, it wasn't all clinical stuff. A lot of it was sort of behind the scenes and like I ran their social media, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really important for me. And then I do the free clinic at UCSD now mm-hmm. and it's very similar, very near and dear to my heart. And yeah, probably the thing I was most passionate about. Yeah. So one, one question here going from FAP for as a pre-med through the application process once you got into UCSD, um, what was the process like for requesting financial aid, getting financial aid, if you are on financial aid, et cetera? Uh, so we knew that I don't have any familial support of any kind. Um, and my husband got hurt at work, so he's a stay-at-home dog dad right now. Uh, so... As soon as I decided where I was going, I got in touch with the financial aid office mm-hmm. and sort of laid it all out for them. Yeah. Told them, like, this is what I'm going to need it basically all covered one way or another. Uh, and so they've been really great. There's a 
fair number of grants and scholarships and things, and then the rest is loans. Uh, but they have been really great at helping me navigate the process and helping to minimize the amount of debt that I'll have at the end of this. Yeah. Uh, but it's FAFSA. It's the same. Yeah. Same as undergrad. Yeah. All the same stuff. Okay. And and the debt is debt, right? A lot of students are, are unfortunately people who are going to be amazing physicians never realize their dream because they look at that price tag and run away when yeah it's 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 scary to have two hundred thousand three hundred thousand dollars in debt but making good money as a physician as long as you aren't out that that first paycheck you're you're not out buying a, a mercedes-benz and a, a six uh, room house and uh, a boat and jet skis and water skis and all this other stuff right you're you're living like a student so you can pay back your loans as fast as possible. I, I hear stories all the time from from physicians who pay back their loans in three or four years, just making sure every single penny goes back to their loans as fast as possible. And there's a good uh, resource out there. Jackie, if you're, if you're not familiar with and everybody else, uh, White Coat Investor is a great resource for students um, in this process. I have heard of that. So yeah. no jet skis? Is that what you're saying? No jet skis. <laughs> maybe a used one. Okay, maybe one used one. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've heard the, I don't, maybe it was you that said it. I heard somebody say, like, once you're a resident, live like you're a student. Yep. Once you're an attending, live like you're a resident. And I, I mean, I think that's probably what we'll do. Yeah, yeah, that's very important. Um, <laughs> Valentina says, hi, Jackie, you're my queen, Italy. Uh, Staff Sergeant MD PhD what is up Danielle found Jackie today glad to see another non-trad I had uh, I had her on my podcast last week she's awesome what is the technical definition of a non-trad that is a great question there isn't a technical definition Uh, anybody who has done anything different than a traditional student of going high school to four year university right into medical school that is the the technical definition. Okay. And so the the saying out there is non-traditional is the new traditional because so yeah. many students are doing things differently. Somebody like yourself who uh, purposefully took a gap year so that you could study for the MCAT on your own time and not be worried about um, uh, classes and the application process all at the same time. Uh, a lot of students do that. That's smart. Uh, when is a good time to apply for the fee assistance program? What does that timeline look like? I completely forget when I applied. Um, I actually, so I took my MCAT the summer between my third and fourth year. Okay. So I was still, or my, I guess technically my fourth and fifth year. Yeah. Um, I took it then and I actually didn't, my mother-in-law paid for it as a present. So I didn't use the fee assistance program for that okay. because I didn't know it was included. And then... I applied for fee assistance, I want to say winter, like the January, February, March area, when I knew I would be applying that June. Okay. Uh, Just because I tend to be sort of anxious and overplan for things. Yeah. So I did it early. Um, So according to the fee assistance program with AAMC, this is why I have a computer in front of me all the time. Uh, If your application is approved... Anywhere between January and December, you're good until December of the following year. Yeah. 
So I think I, I did it like that January. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Um, all right. Good to know. Uh, once you are in, uh, will there be a Q&A section? We're doing Q&A now. <laughs> uh, uh, how to financially cover step material. So once you're in medical school, right, the, the costs never end. Right? There's, there's uh, as a pre-med, preparing for the MCAT and all of the, the prep material for the MCAT. And then when you're in medical school, guess what? The tests keep coming. You have uh, step one of the boards for allopathic schools. Yeah. Level one for um, for osteopathic schools. Uh, does your school cover any of that material, or do you have to go out and get all of it yourself? They cover. I coming in March. They're going to cover one practice exam for step, yeah. and other than that, nope. Um, but we have reps from every, pretty much everybody other than U World okay. and Sketchy has sent a rep to us to do like a lunch talk and, and give, you know, they've been doing like giveaways with prep materials. And then, um, other than that, we just are expected to buy them. Yeah. And we, we've had group discounts for pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. So, um, they, I haven't paid full price for anything other than my first aid book. Have you looked but, into those programs to say, hey, like I qualified for FAP, what do you got for me? I have not done that. Yeah. But that might be smart. Honestly, at this point, so I have first aid and sketchy and pathoma we got through like group deals. Mm-hmm. And I have U World from a thing I did with them over the summer. And I am kind of maxed out on resources because there are so many different things that are being thrown at us every day it's like there's only so many hours in the day yeah so there's all you know there's osmosis and boards and beyond and all these different things and i'm sure they're all great but i would rather sleep occasionally (laughs) so yeah i i'm just resisting the urge to buy every single study material (laughs) it's hard as that type a pre-med med med student it's like Mm -hmm. if i have everything i'll do better yeah. Uh, well, and we do have a, a lending library in our student lounge. So okay. all the second, third, and fourth years leave their old books there. So I've, I've grabbed a few there because I figure if they're free, maybe I'll look at them at yeah. some point. <laughs> I haven't yeah. used any yet. No. But. Uh, there, there's actually a, a psychological effect that if something is free, you value it less. So you're less likely to, to look at the stuff. That would be why. Yeah. <laughs> um. The road is long, but I believe it's worth it in the end. It's all worth every effort you put in. Don't you think so? Do you think it's worth it so far, the effort that you're putting in? It's hard it to know in the be. middle, right? You're, you hope. Um, I, I certainly hope so. <laughs> you hope so. Right? From my side, I'm not practicing medicine anymore. Uh, I, I loved practicing. I loved being a flight surgeon in the Air Force. My wife is a neurologist. She loves practicing. Um, she's actually... she. Uh, this week is starting her own private practice, seeing her first patients in private practice. Uh, so that's, that's fun. So, so it is worth it uh, if this is what yeah. you want. And, and really what it comes down to is, are you sure this is what you want? Or, or is it, I really like Meredith Grey on Grey's Anatomy, and that's the life I want to live. Well, well, maybe you should keep looking. <laughs> um, 
Uh, Kezuko says, if you're at least 24 when entering med school, can't you claim independence as long as you prove self-support? No, definitely. Nope. Doesn't matter for med school. Yeah, not the way it works in med school. Being married doesn't matter. Having kids doesn't matter. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see the super non-traditional, like 60-year-old student who has 90-year-old parents and uh, <laughs> who's trying to qualify for FAP. And they're like, we need your parents' uh, income reports. <laughs> like, really? Really? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's how that's how ludicrous it is. Yeah. Um, uh, All men says currently I'm studying to get my phlebotomy license to pay for med school or to pay for school. Will med schools take this into account as clinical work? Definitely. Great. So you scribed. Uh, that was mm-hmm. like the, the bulk of your clinical experience was scribing. Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. that most of. I mean, some of my volunteer work was clinical, but then most of it came from scribing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Valentina says, what is the best age to start med school? What kind of range do you see in school? So some of my, our, they told us at the beginning of the year last year, our average was 23, which is pretty young. Mm-hmm. But some of my classmates are in their 30s. I don't want to give away their ages, but like <laughs> mid, mid, upper 30s. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I, I think there's a pretty wide range amongst us. Some, some people have a bunch of kids already or like went and did PhDs or mm. other work and then came back. Yeah. I don't know that there is one best age. Yeah. Whatever age you are when you Whatever get married. Whatever age. Right, it's a question. What's the best age to get married? What's the best age to, to have kids? There isn't a best age. Uh, just jump in. Uh, Adrian, uh, who I called Danielle earlier, Adrian, staff sergeant, uh, to MD PhD says my mom lived with me and I still had to provide her info. Uh, so during our podcast, she talked about how her mom, uh, is disabled and, and lives with her and helps with the kids, which is awesome. Uh, but right. The, the, she is supporting her mom, but still needs to provide mom needs to provide income stuff. It's crazy. It's a fun system. Yeah. So med school is hard, right? You, I'm sure plenty of people told you med school is going to be the hardest thing you do in your life and uh, make sure you're ready for it. Um, what do you do to relax during med school? How do you, how do you take care of yourself? Um, so I see it's Brandy asking Yes, this. of course I, it's Brandy. It's a good question. I, I, um, so I, I read every morning something non-medical. Okay. Um, I wake up back way back. My husband used to make me my coffee in the morning, which he doesn't do anymore, but, uh, he makes it the night before. So I microwave it. And then I go back to bed and I sit in bed for 15 minutes and read a chapter of a book and drink my coffee Hmm. and like get ready to face the world. What time in the morning is this? Uh, six 30. Okay. So early. Cause we, we typically have class at eight. Okay. So it gives me enough time to sort of wake up and then get ready for school and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm much nicer for it. <laughs> and then we we have a dog, and so mm. I take her for a couple walks every day. And yeah, and and pets have been shown to reduce anxiety and depression and all that fun stuff. Every, so she fixes everything. Yeah, that's awesome. My my wife is extremely allergic, or else we would have one as well. Yeah, our uh, apartment is small. Otherwise, we would have like five. Then <laughs> <laughs> you would have uh, dog parents md2b instagram account <laughs> yes <laughs> uh what does your week look like 
so it changes based on the week, but we normally have lecture Monday through Friday, eight to 12, either lectures or like small group activities and things. Uh, and then I am, and then we have like our practice of medicine, like learning how to do the doctory stuff, mm-hmm. typically one day a week in the afternoons. And then I'm involved in the free clinic. So I run two clinics there and then we're in the process of handing it off to the first years. Um, so probably two or three times a month, I'm at the free clinic in the afternoon, evening, seeing patients. And then we do this thing called ambulatory care apprenticeship. Okay. Not the affordable Uh, care act. No, (laughs) they, uh, they set you up with one doctor for the first two years and you go every other week and see patients. So mine's at a pediatric endocrinologist's office. So if it's a week where I don't have class in the afternoon, I go there. Yeah, that's and a type one diabetes kids. Lots and lots of pituitary stuff. Yeah. We just had our endocrine block and I was like, finally, I know something. <laughs> um, but yeah, so one or two afternoons or nights a week um, doing more clinical stuff, which is nice. Yeah. I feel like it makes me actually want to study. Uh, and then in the afternoons, I come home, take care of the dog, study, goof off. <laughs> play around on Instagram. Yeah. Write beautiful notes. Yes. I do those in class. You do those in class. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Didn't used to, but uh, the lack of free time necessitated it. Do you feel that it helps you learn or are you doing them so you can just post pictures on Instagram? Doing it all for the (laughs) gram. (laughs) No, I, um, I learn better by writing. So I, I like to write. And then I had a professor in community college who taught us to like sort of filter things out mm-hmm. and like only write down what was really important. So doing it in real time helps me not get overwhelmed yeah. in lecture. Yeah. Yeah. There's been, and, and a lot of the psychology studies are, are very hard to actually like say this, this is right but there's so much information out there about actually physically writing your notes instead of typing on a computer where a computer you can type a lot faster and so you're you're typically writing more stuff down you're not filtering uh and then you're also worried about those little red lines because you have little typos and stuff and and so there's just so much more distraction there uh on that computer so yeah uh if you haven't tried handwriting notes then i really encourage it and it keeps me from ending up on Facebook or Instagram during the lecture. Yeah. Do you take your phone in with you or do you leave that somewhere where you can't be bothered? I have my phone in my backpack, but. It doesn't come out. Is is lecture mandatory for you guys? No. No. But you go. So we, we have, um, all of our lectures are podcasts, but I prefer to go be in class and spread my pens out everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite school now, UCSD, they do podcasts. That's awesome. They do. Good, good. Yeah. Uh, Raina says or asks, "What it was your most memorable experience in first year?" Ooh, I don't know if I have. Oh, I watched a kidney transplant. Mm. That was probably. Did a- you go to the harvest or no? Yes. Yeah. Did you get yeah. to fly anywhere yeah. cool for it? No, it was a uh, living donor. Okay. Right here. Okay. So, watched the nephrectomy. 
followed the kidney down the hall, watched it get plugged in. It's awesome. It was really cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I saw a a harvest uh, from a deceased donor. Didn't get to travel anywhere cool. It was, it was local, um, but still it's a, an amazing process uh, yeah. that that the patients go through, that the physicians go through. I've seen some cool stuff from med students who get to like fly on a private jet to go to these harvests, which is awesome. I wish. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that would be good for the Instagram. Yes. Um, do med schools care how you get patient experience? No, just get patient experience. Um, do you pre-study before lectures? That's an interesting one. Uh, so I scroll through my lectures the night before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read somewhere. During first year, I sort of was realizing that the way I was studying wasn't quite working. Uh, And so I read to spend five minutes scrolling through and, like, come up with five questions that you had that you Mm -hmm. wanted to answer throughout the lecture. And I dropped that real quick. But um, why I do scroll. uh, Because I didn't feel like it was paying off. It, It was, like, questions that the lecturer was bringing up on purpose so they could answer them. So I'm like, why am I typing a question next to the question? Um, but I do scroll through to see what's coming. And then I helps me space my notes to know like, okay, they're going to go on about arrhythmias for 40 slides. <laughs> I'll leave a bunch of room for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Most difficult block. Brandy's got lots of good questions here. Biostats. It was really boring. Biostats. That sounds boring. I don't don't, don't, don't think I had to take that in med school. Everything else has been organ-based and then they are systems-based and they threw that one at us and it was really boring. Yeah. Uh, Valentina asked, does making those notes uh, take away from your concentration? It sounds like no, they actually helps. They help me. Yeah. And there's been, um, I don't know, I I think there was a study about uh, doodling your notes. Mm -hmm. That's becoming a very popular thing. Uh, where you actually doodle a lot instead of actually writing down words, you're like drawing little pictures and describing situations, and that seems to uh, yeah. help a lot more. And I, I think, right? I always talk about, especially for the personal statement, tell your story, right? Show, don't mm-hmm. tell. Um, during an interview, you're you're painting a picture. We love stories, and I think doodling, all you're doing is storytelling the words. Uh, it's just in picture form. You're like taking. Uh, our our caveman days and and cave paintings and just putting them on paper with a number two pencil yeah. or a fancy pen you bought at the the store. <laughs> yes, and that's I I'm like I'm simple. If I can put it in a picture, it makes more sense. I don't have to read so many words. I'm happy. Yeah, <laughs> biostats. Uh, Adrian saying biostats is all over step, so that's good. Um, What's what's your timeline for for step at this point? Where are you in the process for step one? Uh, so I picked a date like last week, okay. um, taking it at the end of April. Okay. What was the we range have, of dates for you? So we have from the end of March through the first week of May. And your school off. sets that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just have to take it by May fourth. I think is the last day that we can take it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm taking it. I'm planning to take it like ten days early so that I can have a break. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully there's a conference I just submitted some research to that's around that time. So hopefully I'll be there and have put step behind me. Yeah. Um, so what I'm doing now is I have sketchy and pathoma and first aid and all those. And I've just, and you world, and I've just been doing the stuff 
that corresponds to what we've covered so far. Because um, I talked to my advisor about it and she said it doesn't really make sense to be like studying neuro when we haven't had neuro yeah. too. Um, so I'm just studying the stuff that we're currently covering using all those resources and it's been helping me on the block exams and then hopefully it'll help me um, with step because they keep telling us that the best predictor of a good score is doing well during the blocks. Yep. So I'm trying to just learn it well the first time through so that there'll be less to review. 100%. Good, good. Uh, what's the culture like at med school? Is there a lot of clicks and cattiness or does everybody get along? Um, I would say it's, it is sort of like high school. <laughs> just like how, how big's the class? 134. Okay. So we're all there with our big backpacks and we trudge from like one class to another together and we're stuck together. <laughs> uh, and there's some sort of like, you know, intermingling. Mm -hmm. It's always fun since I'm yeah. like, there's a group of us that refer to ourselves as the married ladies club. <laughs> even though we're not all married, we're not all even in relationships, but we just kind of don't involve ourselves uh, in that. Um, there's, a little bit of clickiness, but not, not anything really like overt or negative to be around. It's just like, there are different friend groups. Yeah. Which I feel like happens everywhere. How does your husband support you through this process? He does literally everything other than <laughs> study. Yeah. He cooks and he cleans and he does all that stuff. Yeah. And when you know he knows my test schedule so when i have a test coming up i tend to get a little a little more high maintenance and a little crankier and so he takes care of that yeah how do you he work through that when, how do we work through it yeah through those those tough times um he'll sort of just like give me coffee and then back away <laughs> yeah and then i i tend to realize that i'm being you know, anxious and yeah. neurotic about things. And then yeah. it's like, well, I just have this test and then I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, guess what? There's another one next week too. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it never ends. Awesome. Um, we're closing in on our hour limit for Instagram live. So I want to I wanna make sure we don't get cut off. Um, for the students uh, out there struggling on their journey, uh, maybe doubting themselves, looking at that price tag and questioning if they should do it. Um, what advice do you have for them to, to keep pushing forward to, to work through their struggles? I mean, I started at community college and I'm here. I had to pay for it and I'm here. Um, I mean, I feel like the only way through it is to just keep doing it. Um, therapy is great. <laughs> yeah. Everybody needs a therapist. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I feel like the only person who can limit what we do is ourselves, right? 100%. Like, and I, I get messages pretty frequently like, I failed one test. Yeah. Or I didn't do well on one thing. Am I screwed? And it's like, no. No. That's why I'm always like, I got a C in physics. Yeah. I started at community college. Yeah. I cried in my interview at UCSD. Did, you not did. Like, not bawling. Yeah. Um, I was talking about my volunteer work and I got a little passionate and there was a little tear. <laughs> and I, 
I left and I was like, oh, like I'm done. They're going to be like, this girl yeah. is too much. She's yeah. too emotional. And it's fine. It all works out. It all worked out. Yeah. Was Everything... there was, was there a point where you wanted to quit? Yeah. Yeah. Many. Many. Yeah. yeah. But it's like you, you know, you sit and you, I, I thought about other things. I looked at other careers and there's nothing else that I've ever wanted to do. Mm. I purposely explored other things and it's like, I keep ending up back here. All right, so there you have it again. That was at Jackie Plans. That's J-A-C-K-I-E-P-L-A-N-S. At um, She's on Instagram, at Jackie Plans. Go check her out. Go check out all of her amazing notes that she creates. She, As she talked about, she does these while she's in class, which is crazy because they're amazing works of art, and they're helping a lot of students out there, students who are buying them and using them. So go check them out. Again, Jackie Plans on Instagram. If you have, apparently I can do this now and do Instagram Lives with other Instagrammers. If you know of a, an amazing Instagram account out there that I should try to do an Instagram Live with and turn that into a podcast, reach out to me. Uh, find me on Instagram. I'm at Medical School. HQ on Instagram. I, I want to talk about our scholarship. I don't know if I've talked about it a bunch here on the podcast, but we launched a scholarship last month in October, and we wanted to really start uh, giving to you guys. And uh, we wanted to start that with a scholarship. Uh, but instead of just randomly throwing out some money, we decided to do an essay contest for the scholarship. And you can find all of the information if you just go to the website and in the search box, search for uh, pre-med scholarship. And this is open for every pre-med in the United States only uh, for tax purposes and all that fun stuff. I'll only do the U.S. Uh, right now. Hopefully in the future, I'll figure out all the tax stuff for uh, doing uh, uh, Canada as well. But U.S. only right now, uh, you have a couple different topics to choose from for your essay there is no benefit to rushing and getting it to me now. The deadline is December 31st. This will be a quarterly scholarship contest. And so every quarter, we'll have new topics, a new ability to enter the contest to win some money. And the first uh, batch, hopefully if we can get above 10,000 followers on Instagram, uh, the, the standard prize, the scholarship is... First place is $2,000, second place is $750, third place is $250. And if you're listening to this and you're on Instagram and you don't follow me, go follow me at Medical School HQ. I'm at 8,100 and something followers right now. If I can get to 10,000 followers by December 31st, I'll double the first quarter's scholarship earnings. So $4,000. Uh, $1,500 and $500 uh, for first, second, and third. So go follow me, Medical School HQ on Instagram. Go follow Jackie Plans and have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the Pre-Med Years.